Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, to episode 65 of Stoke the Fire, the first ever audio-only Stoke the Fire podcast. Right out the gate, we're just going to bring you up to speed with where we're at and where we're headed. Uh, but first of all, just say a quick hello here to my my cohort, Jesse, before I just go off on some monologue. <laughs> That's good. Doing? Enough. I, I, yeah, I'm doing all right, brother. And uh, yeah, indeed. Um I'm actually excited for the new format we're doing. I think it's going to just take the pressure off and we can focus more on the conversations and uh, who knows what the future holds, but um happy that we're here still doing it. We love this thing. It's a passion project. We thank everybody for supporting it and just for listening in period. Um, you know, this, this is a, a beautiful thing that we are able to share with each other. So um, yeah, glad to be here again. And, uh, today's show will be great, but yeah, got to pay them bills and and sort of just kind of lay out what's going to happen here. And you're really good at that, Matt. So I'll hand it back to you. Hmm. Or not pay the bills, as the case may be. Yeah, because... actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the reason the show is going to be audio only from here on in is because we have sadly had to let our wonderful producers Joey and Annie from Too Much Content go. Uh, the reason being we, we've had to rejig, restructure the Patreon page, which is currently where our only source of income towards this show comes from. Uh, and with that page, we'd, we'd set out like a multi-tier format. We were, you know, promising different things for different levels of support. And what's kind of happened in the last month or so, which we talk a lot more about on the Patreon page, we don't need to get too much into that here. Uh, but we fell behind with, with mm. what we were supposed to be delivering. We hold our hands up and you know take full accountability for that. So what we've decided to do is strip the Patreon page right back, completely simplify things, um, and just offer one tier for all, a basic entry-level tier of $5 a month. Um, and that means you get to support this podcast if you love it. You get to put a little bit in the kitty to help us keep the lights on. But what it does mean, we've done away with all the higher tiers, which means the income, at least for now, from the Patreon page has been significantly reduced, which means we just can't afford to pay our producers and we wouldn't want to ask them to work for free. Um, so, yeah, first of all, in regards to the Patreon page, $5 a month is the one tier on offer over there. That gets you access to everything we've ever done on Patreon, which is about 20 or so podcasts loads of playlists from the guests that we've had on the show and Jesse and myself, various video diaries that Jesse's uploaded, his 
you know, kind of thoughts and behind the scenes on tour. And I'm sure he'll maybe be doing some studio stuff as the record unfolds uh, and, and whatever else comes up along the way. So if you do want to support this show, it'd be amazing if you could head over to patreon.com forward slash stoke the fire uh, and sign up to the one tier five dollars a month and help us keep doing the show um but yeah in regards to this show the main podcast we wanted to simplify things over here as well and really take it back to the core of the show and what the show is about because with what we were doing on patreon we were kind of slipping into the realms of being quote unquote content creators and what we've realized through our failures and shortcomings really is that we're not that and this show is not that. And we we can't just churn stuff out if stuff's going on in our lives and we're both either just busy with, you know, professional commitments or we're just, you know, going through stuff in our personal lives and we've got shit going on in our heads. We just can't turn up and phone it in. Um, and like I said, we admit our shortcomings in that regard. We were the ones who set it up for ourselves, but we've, re- we've realized, haven't we, dude, that the core of this show, what this show is all about, what people connect with and what we want to bring it back to is purely and simply the conversations that we have with yeah. all the amazing guests that we invite onto the show. And so by doing away with video, I don't think we're losing anything in that realm. If anything, I think we're really honing in on, on the art of conversation. And so, yeah um that's the decision isn't it is to go forward as an audio only podcast and really kind of hone in on what this show is about which is people's stories yeah yeah i you said it great i think i really don't have much to add to that and i would say you know it is one of those things where i would much rather give less that is genuine solid stuff than put up a bunch of content that i feel doesn't represent who i am or if i'm not in the mood or in the right frame of mind to just do it for the sake of fulfilling this certain thing. It's never what I've been about as a person. So yeah, I'll get more into that on the Patreon episode. We're going to record and talk about that. But for all of you listening now, this conversation is great. We're going to continue these types of conversations. And really to me, podcasts is more about what you're hearing as opposed to what you're seeing. You know, the way I consume podcasts, I don't go on YouTube. I listen to them in my car or on a long walk. So to me, this just makes sense. It is all about the art of conversation and people's stories. You don't need to see them for that. You know, there are some shows that do that and they do it really well. Um, and maybe one day we'll get there again, but for now, this is the way to go. I feel great about this. I feel confident about it. I think that that's what's important over anything is what's being said. So without further ado, we have, um, a great guest, somebody that I admire very much as a human being and as a musician, as an artist, um, and then being able to tour with him and, you know, unfortunately, when we did tour, it was still when we were sort of like in the quarantine world where bands weren't really socializing. But um, we would take moments to just stop and socially distance talk. Uh, I hate even saying any of that stuff. I hate thinking about the time frame. Ah, but um, PTSD. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But um, he's just a solid guy. Uh, what he says, he means there's no bullshit there. He's positive. He's a great vocalist. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with him, which we'll get into the song that we wrote. Well, they had me sing on rather. And that great experience in the video and just powerful stuff. But yeah, overall, he's rare, I would say, in the music world. Um, just a really good human with a good heart. And uh, yeah, f- without further ado, Jake, um, better known for his role in August Burns Red, but also um, I will let him talk a little bit more about himself with his gym and heart support and everything he's getting involved with. 
I'm really proud of this guy. He's a mover and a shaker, and a, he's a he's a great dude. So come on on, Jake. Camera on like that magic. Boom. Yes, with the, the perfect here. mug. The mug. I love the mug. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I uh, I'm so excited to be on 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 this show with you, man. I I, I just want to say it's it's a it's an honor and a privilege and. Um, I'm just glad that we have this friendship. I just think it's so cool and it's a unique one. And, um, yeah, I'm just, just thankful to be here, man. Likewise, brother. And I think, uh, the great thing about our friendship is it really was bred out of, uh, an interesting time frame that we went through and we saw eye to eye on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of sparked my interest in, in you and just the kind of person that you are. And I have a lot of admiration and respect for you and you're a hell of a vocalist, dude. Being in the studio with you, and we'll get into this later, but being in the studio with you and watching you on command do different styles of screaming and your producer, I forgot his name, great guy. The the rapport you guys had, I just, I loved it. And that whole experience was super fun to me. So yeah, kudos, man. I, I just have a lot of respect for you, a lot of love. Yeah, man, that was a very unique tour, obviously. Um, and I think that, you know, it was really difficult time for the world, obviously, and and... And I just love that whether we agreed on things or didn't, we could put that aside and be brothers, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, just really, um, I think in that moment we were all just trying to look for the good, you know, and the light and the, yeah. and the, um, because, you know, this is our home, right? Like we, we see our music scene and we've devoted so much time and energy into this and it's, and it's our passion and our family, quote unquote. And so, it was really cool that like, I think you and I connected because, you know, through all the chaos and the division and all the uncomfortabilities, you know, we were finding these little gems of love and positivity and encouragement and held on to those to really um, combat the outside, you know, things that were going on and made that tour really special to me um, mm. because, you know, seeing you on stage and pouring your heart out and, encouraging the the fans in the crowd and smiling you know it's like a genuine smile you know i hadn't really seen that for two years you know what i mean like yeah. people you know it's just it was such a difficult uh time but um i feel like that's where we bonded and it's like man like that's my kind of guy you know even though yeah. things are really tough and confusing and dif difficult like um you know we're, we're gonna make the best it was an awesome tour. Thank you so much for having us. It was co so cool. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. And I think that's really a metaphor. And Matt and I have talked about this a lot, uh, a metaphor for life in general, moving forward out of this strange time. The one thing I've latched on more than anything, I mean, it's twofold really, is I saw the true colors of some people. And on the other hand, I saw the beauty and the love and the unity that people can still have despite differences, despite, you know, living in such divided times, which, you know, to me, it's something I've always been against division. I've always been against that through my lyrics, through my life, through our music. And I know you're exactly the same way. And I think that's why we hit it off. The message is similar, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that. I really want to get into the message of your music as well, but um, we like to start from the beginning. So when for you did music take hold? When did you feel called to do what you do with, with August Burns Red? Wow. Um, I guess <clears throat> really the person that introduced me to music in a, in a, 
serious way as far as like art and um brought real joy and excitement to me was my sister so i was i don't know maybe like 10 or 11 and we didn't really have a lot growing up um and you know parents got divorced when we were really young and um it was a, it was a pretty messy difficult uh trying time but but i remember her listening to beastie boys and I just thought it was so cool. Like, I just thought the music was so cool. I thought she was so cool. She was listening to Beastie Boys and I wanted to, you know, follow her footsteps. And she was listening to, you know, uh, um, Soundgarden. She was listening to uh, Tupac and Wu-Tang. And so there was like this just wide variety. Uh -oh. Lost you. No. <laughs> no he's gone in complete slow no. motion <laughs> did you lose me for yeah, like two I mean, seconds we, yeah we got up to Tupac in the list of awesome artists that and then and play. then your hand slowed down and you went <laughs> oh no so Tupac Soundgarden Tupac Beastie Boys back it go ahead <laughs> I feel so bad I hope like if this continues I don't know if you want to you know I can try to find internet uh at the at the venue we're in fort lauderdale today um oh we'll you're, you're, you're on you're on tour is that, so you are in a tour bus i didn't want to say are you on a tour bus and you're like no dude this is my house but yeah you, you're, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're you're on the road this is your home for now yeah 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 that's why it's a little like you know kind of junky in here um yeah so she introduced me to tupac and um and all these different you know varieties of different genres of music and they all you know have different cultures and lifestyles so there was all of these like different ways of conveying your feelings and emotions and what you stand for or what you've been through and um i leaned really heavily into like the hip-hop uh world and the punk rock world because those two genres for me seemed very raw in their emotion and very either aggressive with their message or their feeling right and so I really, really loved that. And then my mom, you know, she didn't have a lot of money, but she ended up getting me this little tiny boom box for Christmas. Um, and my first CD was Green Day Dookie. Uh, and I how, spun how old that are you, thing. Jake? How old are you? Oh, uh, 38. So I'm 37. So we're pretty much exactly the same age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we're getting up there a little, little bit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not as old as this old man. Yeah, you, you boys <laughs> got some time before you reach my age. <laughs> um, yeah, Green Day Dookie. Okay, backed. Yes, great record. Yeah, yeah. Just a phenomenal album. And so what was kind of fun was um, my sister and I would, would play cards. And I would go into her room and I'd bring Green Day Dookie. And I'd say, I, I want to, you know, bet you for, for one of your CDs. So she had like a CD tower, you know, and it's like just um, full of just amazing music. So she'd pick one of them out and she'd put it on the table and we'd play and I'd win. And then I'd go, okay, you know, like, let's do it again. And I'd walk out of her room with five new albums and then I'd go to my <laughs> room and I'd spin them, you know. And, um, and that's kind of how I learned about music was I was just with my sister learning uh, listening to her music, I put my ear up against the wall, you know, from my room to her room because she didn't really like me being in a room all the time. And I would just listen to the to the music, you know, and then I'd be like, "Oh man, I want that one," you know. And then I'd try to go in there and 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 gamble with her. But um, 
you know, it really kind of started there. And I was kind of a loner growing up. I, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was bullied a lot. I was kind of a small scrawny kid, you know? So, um, and I would just go to my room and listen to music. Um, and, you know, just felt like th it was my friend, you know, like this was, they were talking to me and, and I would just kind of soak in it and bask in, in the music. Um, it wasn't until I was 16 that I went to my first show and made some friends in, in school and went to a um, Strike Anywhere uh, show. And that was in a small venue. Jesse, you might have played there uh, called New Brooklyn Tavern in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, Maybe. <laughs> yeah right i know that's that's kind of my answer too sometimes and you know little tiny place 200 cap you know i mean like the sweat is coming off the ceiling and and the singer of strike anywhere long dreads just ripping around on the stage like fierce like this animal you know and he's you know preaching his gospel you know and 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 i was just like oh my gosh this is amazing like this man is just unbelievable I've never seen anything like this, the energy, the passion. Um, and so he gets off the stage and I, I like ran up to him, you know, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I had a Sharpie in my hand and I rolled my sleeve up and I was like, will you sign my arm? Cause I don't have anything for you to sign. He signs my arm. I looked down in amazement of his signature. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is real. And he gives me the Sharpie back. And then I look up and he goes, all right, man, now you sign my arm. And he pulls his arm out and I signed his arm. And in that moment, there was this, this exchange, you know, of, of honor, of acceptance, of equality, of, hey, man, like, you know, you see me as this animal, this, this monster of a man on stage and like, I'm doing my thing and like, you're inspired by me, but you are the same you know um and what i was right, like what a righteous move that's awesome yeah i mean it was just it changed my it changed my life because um i was like because i was been you know I, I was alone uh my dad wasn't really around like so i didn't have like really like father figures in my life that were positive um i was bullied all the time you know so so for this guy to do that and to tell me that I was the same as him, like it just meant so much to me. And, and I realized that that day I was like, I want to do what he's doing. I want to do that for other people. Like I want to be like that. And that was really what ignited my desire to be a front man specifically because he preached his message and he made an impact and he was changing my life. And I, I want to be worthy. I want to be, I want to have a purpose. I want to make an impact on this earth and I want to help do something like that. So I started a punk band and it was called smash Adams. Um, and, uh, you know, I went through quite a few, you know, bands kind of trying to evolve, figure it out, you know? Um, but the band that I created before I joined August Burns Red was a band called she walks in beauty. And, you know, I was working at Sonic. I was working at CC's Pizza. Um, I worked at a uh, printing shop. 
And I told my boss at the printing shop, I said, don't um, like printing like merchandise. I said, don't give me a paycheck. Just print my band's merchandise for me. Like I'll give you a design. Um, I traded in my 1991 Nissan Maxima, which was the coolest car. It was so fast. I mean, probably only 150 horsepower, you know, but back in the day, it was like the bee's knees. I, I traded it in and I bought myself a, a Bell South. Do you guys remember Bell South, the telephone company? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I bought a Bell South cargo van. Um, this beat up, like the Bell South, like logo was like kind of ripped and frailed on the side of the, of the van. There's only two windows. It was just the front and, you know what I mean? The sides and then the two in the back. Um, and so I now had a touring van, you know, um, for me to just bring my, my bandmates we would do little tours for the weekends. Um, we would go to like Somerville. We'd go to Georgia. Um, I think we went to Florida once and we would just do like little weekend trips, you know, um, back in the day when we recorded the record, you know, I'd go to my guitarist's house for like the weekend and we would just burn CDs and copies of our, our record and, you know, fold the printouts from FedEx and fold them in the inlay and, these little slim cases, you know? Um, and so I was doing it, you know, and, uh, we had this like storage facility downtown in Columbia where all the bands would rent out storage units and they would rehearse. So every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday, my band had practice, but then all these other bands had practice. So we would stay there like for ever. I mean, there's probably nights where we just slept in our cars because we would party and we would just watch these bands rehearse and I would just ask them questions constantly like, Oh cool. Like, what are you guys doing? You know, like I'm sure they were so annoyed with me because they were like, dude, we're trying to rehearse and like, you're just watching us, you know? Um, but I was just very hungry for it, you know? And I, I wanted, I wanted this to happen. And um, two other, you know, small stories that kind of, were important for me was um, Chris McLean from Stretch Armstrong. Um, that is my dude. Uh, just, you want to talk about a legend. You want to talk about a guy who actually, you know, cares about the scene and wanting to make an impact. He was a promoter in Columbia, South Carolina at the time um, when he wasn't touring with Stretch. And I remember going to the venue, the New Brooklyn Tavern, and I was like, hey, man, um, I have some questions about being a frontman and being a touring musician. Um, and I'd really love for you to answer them. He goes, tell you what, dude, come back Friday with your questions written down and pass out these flyers for me. And by the time you finish passing those flyers out, I'll have the answers for you. <laughs> wow. I was like, cool. I'm in. So I came back Friday night. There was a show. He gave me a thick stack of flyers. I gave him a piece of paper with like seven questions. I flyered everything. I came back and sure enough, man, he had all the answers written down for me. And, um, and that, that meant so much to me, you know, that, that this, again, this guy who's, who's doing it right. Um, offering his time and, and, and giving me his wisdom and his knowledge. And, um, and then I went to Midlands technical college in Columbia and I was going to audio engineering and music business. I remember being in my music business class and my professor, he said, 
how many of you want to be a touring musician? I was like, that's your career. And I was like, oh, me, you know, I was like, me, me, like pick me, you know, like, what are we doing with this? I want to do it. You know, he goes, you have a point zero zero one percent chance of making it just so you know. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not wrong though. I mean, it's tough. I want to say this though, two things. One, I love the DIY ethos. I love the do it yourself, uh, the punk hardcore thing. That's exactly where I come from. And two, I really like the fact that, um, you know, the singer from Stretch Armstrong, and before he answered your questions, he sort of made you work for it, which is very sort of like Miyagi Karate Kid. Like, that's part of the equation is like you had to go out and flyer because back then that's what you did. You know, I was flyering all the time throughout my high school. You know, I'd go down to the world, the hangout spots were, but that whole do it yourself ethos, the DIY, that's amazing. And it's such a, I mean, that changes you forever. It's still deep inside of who you are as a musician and as a, as an artist. And it's brilliant. I love that. But I love that you were also going to college. You're, you know, you're doing the punk rock thing, but then you're in school for music business. That's, that's unique. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I was just trying to get as much as I could out of, my time, you know, and, um, and I remember I was going to school for prior to that, I was going to Midlands tech for something else. I don't remember what it was, but, um, I told my mom that I was going to drop out and she said, why, why would you do that? And I said, cause it's taking too much time away from my career. And she's like, you, you don't have a career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but that was the mindset I had to have, you know, like, and I think that that's the mindset we have to have if, if we truly want something to be our life, you know, there's a difference between having a hobby and then having a career, doing something for fun. Um, you enjoy it when you want it. Sometimes you don't do it when you feel like you don't want to do it, you know? Um, and then there's your career where it's like, this is your life and this is what you're going to do. So, um, my mom was fully supportive. We used to have band practice in my uh, garage uh, before we went to the storage sheds. And I, what a woman to deal with that because it was just pure chaos. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, there was the time that she walks in beauty. I think some guys were kind of getting, you know, having big egos and, not being as committed to rehearsals and things. And we started to part ways. And so we broke up and that's, that's probably, that was one of the hardest moments of my life in my younger years, because I, I thought my life was over, you know, like I thought it was all gone. Everything I had worked towards with this band was, 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 was over. And um, I think it was maybe, seven or eight months later maybe a year later that um august burns red had released their record thrill seeker and my friend um john hit me up on a sunday and um or a friday night and he was like hey come come hang out let's go to a party so we went to this party and he had the thrill seeker album and he's like dude you gotta listen to this like this is this is next level stuff so he he plays your little suburbia is in ruin 
at this party and we were all just like oh my god this is crazy and and i told him i was like i want to be in a band like that like i want to be that that good of an artist and a musician um and create music like this and literally two weeks later or a month later um he texts me on on a sunday and he says hey august burns red is looking for a front man um you should try out and i'm like dude i live in south carolina like how am i gonna try out you know he's like well just send them send them a link to she walks in beauty's demo on myspace and see if they respond so um i did and it was maybe a week later a friday i was painting apartments that's what i was doing for a living and i'm, I'm in this house painting apartments and someone calls my phone so i pick up the phone I'm like hello they're like is this jake i was like yeah they're like this is brent rambler from august burns red um we heard your demo and we would love for you to come try out with us. And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, that's cool. Like, when do you want me to be there? Like, in a couple weeks, next week? And he goes, um, Monday. <laughs> I'm like, it's Friday, <laughs> you know? Um, he's like, yeah, just come up Monday. I said, okay, well, what does it look like? He's like, yeah, just come up here. We'll try a couple songs. If we don't like you, we'll just tell you to go home. I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's like I walk into my the house that I uh, I was painting, and I tell my boss, I said, "Hey, I'm sorry, man, but I gotta go." You know, um, and he's like, "Well, all right. I mean, good luck. I know you've been wanting to do this for your life. I understand. Kind of sucks you're leaving me hanging here. I gotta, you know, we gotta do this whole house, but um, you know, if 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 they don't like you and you got to come home, you still got a job. Don't worry about it. And so I packed my 1989 Honda Civic hatchback. I said goodbye to my mom and I drove up to Pennsylvania and, um, and I tried out for August Burns Red and it was the most terrifying experience because, you know, the song that your little suburbs and ruins, there's some off time signature stuff there that I wasn't very familiar with. Um, and I ended up recording that my vocals for that song the day after I tried out with them. And that was, um, that was so scary. I had never been put in that position and I was just thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, don't, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And they were like, we want you to come on tour with us. Oh, but we got to try this other guy out first. And I was like, Oh, all right. So like, so just go home. And my dad lived in Virginia. So I actually went to my dad's house and they took this other guy out and tried him for a month. And I think the third day of that tour, they call, Brent calls me and goes, Hey man, so-and-so's vocals are really burning out. He needs help. What should he do? I said, well, I would drink a lot of water, maybe take a shot of whiskey if, if he's good with that and some tea. And make sure he gets a lot of sleep. He goes, all right, thanks, man. That should help. And he hangs up. And I go, did I just talk myself out of a job? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. So, um, so thankfully, you know, January came and I got to go on tour with them. And I went on tour with August Springs Red for six months. Um, and we did a lot of back and forth. 
So like Matt, our drummer, after a tour, he would talk with JB and he'd say, I really like Jake. I think he's a great front man. Um, I want him. I want him to be in the band. And JB would say, I don't, I don't know that I'm settled on him. I don't, I don't know that I, that I like his style that much. So they would say, oh, okay, let's do no tour. So then they'd say, all right, let's do no tour with Jake. So they do no tour with me. Then at the end of the tour, did I freeze up again? Nope, you're good. Okay, cool. Sorry. Um, and he's like, after that tour, we would come back and JB would be like, Matt, I love him. You're right. He's great. And then Matt would be like, uh, I'm oh not sure I'm settled on him yet. Yeah. So this went back and forth for six months, dude. And um, I have to give props and kudos to Tommy Rogers from between from uh, between the barrier to me, because I had my old band, Shoebox and Beauty, had opened up for him for BT Bam, and we as ABR went on tour with him. And he pulled the guys aside and said, "Hey, if you don't take this guy, you guys are idiots. Like you're you're <laughs> fools to not to not get this guy in your band." And he locked it in for me. And so, twenty years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. So a few things strike me. Number one, um, you know, your your parents being in different places and your mom seemingly being very supportive. Uh, is that the case? Was mom supportive of what you were doing and she kind of like was like understanding that you wanted to do this? Absolutely. Um, I think both my parents, you know, my mom did like off, off, off Broadway. Um, and my dad was an actor. Um, he was in like Ninja Turtles 3, Her No Evil, See No Evil, um, In the Heat of the Night, Ryan's Hope, like a bunch of just a, a ton of different things. So he kind of understood the entertainment side of that and the desire, you know. Um, I think they both really wanted me to have a backup plan because they understood that it's really, really hard to get into this industry. But my mom was a champion. For sure. Um, and I, my dad and I's relationship has never been very strong. Um, you know, he, he left when I was really young and moved to Virginia to, to be with his parents after him and my mother divorced. But when I joined the band, we had some really good conversations about, you know, really how to look at it as a business to protect myself and my dad taught me that you always give it your all no matter what because he was um he was a kicker and he ended up um kicking for the Houston Oilers uh in the 80s and wow. he said to me he told me this story one day he said you know Jake every day i would go to the to the field and i would kick the ball for 2 3 hours and he said and i would do that every single day and the days that I'd wake up and I would tell myself, I'm not going to go to the field today. He would then say to himself, well, then that's the reason you're not going to make it because of this day. And so he would get up and he'd go to the field and he'd kick the ball, you know, and that stuck with me. And so I feel like when I'm on stage, if I don't kick that ball that day on stage, it's the reason why I'm not going to make it. Or it's the reason why my career is not going to go as long as it should be. Or it's the reason why that crowd feels like they didn't really get their show or, you know, and I, and I failed. Um, 
so that's what I've been doing, man. I've been kicking that football every day of my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're both very supportive. And once I really broke th through everything with August Burns Red, they start to see me touring and music videos coming out and labels, you know, and stuff. Um, they're like, you know, just extremely proud. What's the deal with this festival you mentioned at the start of the conversation? And it says on your, um, let me have a look here. It says on your Zoom username, Your Life Gym as well. So I'm assuming you've got a few different hustles going on alongside the music. Is that right? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, so I guess, you know, the way that all of this kind of blossomed, um, Your Life, the festival, and what what I believe my purpose is, um it all it all came from talking to fans it, it probably came from the the signature from the singer from strike anywhere um that connection because that was the birth of me wanting to make an impact so i made a promise to myself and uh to god and i'm a faith man and, and i don't ever like pushing my faith on anyone i don't think that that's really appropriate or respectful uh but if you're asking about my story it's gonna come up um so I made a promise to God and, and myself that if I was going to go on tour with August Prince Red, I was going to go and shake hands with the fans after shows every night. And I did that for a solid five to eight years. Um, but I would go in the beginning of the first tour with August Prince Red. I wasn't even actually allowed to say that I was Jake because no one knew that August Prince Red had got a new frontman. So I was actually saying I was Josh for like the first tour. And so people would be like, Josh, you did such a great job. And I was like, thanks, man. You know, because um, we didn't want to tell anybody yet, you know, but we wanted to try me out and make sure I was a good fit. So I would just go to the merch table and, you know, the first tour, maybe five people, you know, hey, great show, man. I just heard about you guys. That's really cool. Awesome. And then it would grow to 10 people then it grew to 20 30, 40, 50. And, and after a while, I mean, I was sitting at the merch table for like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and the security's like, Hey man, we got to go home. You know, we didn't sign up for this. You know? So I'd take them outside, you know, and the stories that our fans were sharing with me, you know, Hey man, I was a heroin addict for three years. And, um, or I was a heroin addict and, and for three years I've been sober and me and my buddies, we wake up every morning, we listen to composure and that's how we start our day to stay sober. Um, you know, somebody come up and say, you know, I was, I was abused by my dad, but your song redemption has helped me forgive him and, and have healing. So I was seeing the power of music. I was seeing the change that it was making and how real it was to our fans and we would have these really, really amazing conversations that really meant a lot. And then I would go to my van or my bus and they would go home to the same situation. Their, their environment never changed, you know, like what they shared with me, they lived with that and they would go home to that. And I was like, dude, I really, I really, I feel like we need to change this. I, I feel like this isn't enough, right? So we were on tour with The Day to Remember, and we had two shows back-to-back -back in Chicago. 
And after the first show, the, they were both sold out. After the first show, I was sitting outside, taking it all in. And I was like, God, thank you so much for this. All of this. This is amazing. Like, how can I give back? Like, what? How can I do more? And then this vision came to me of creating an online community where people can go to a website and they, and it didn't matter what they were dealing with. And they didn't have to say who they were or where they lived, but just so that they could open up and share about it. And I'm writing it all down on a piece of paper, like all the ideas, blogs, interviews with bands, interviews with people, um, a forum page for people to, to talk back and forth you know, a uh, uh, Instagram page or whatever. Right. And, um, and then at the very end, I, I got, um, just the understanding that there's the, what we call the five pillars. Um, I felt like God was saying, Hey, look, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter who you're in love with. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what you've done or it's been done to you. You need to accept these people. Because that's how I accepted you. I didn't care, Jake, what the color of your skin was. I didn't care who you were in love with. I didn't care what you believed in or what you had done or what was been had been done to you, you know? Um, and I felt called to carry that same in, in the best way I could. I'm human. Um, but the best way that I could to carry that, that unconditional level of love. Ah. this is cool um what do you want to call it you know and he said uh your life because that's what's important your life their life i want your life i want you you know i want you to feel love i want you to feel accepted i want you to feel healed and so i called it your life for the very uh start of this uh this online community the next day it just so happens that my friend from Columbia, South Carolina, who's a website designer, was like, hey, I live here now. Do you want to grab lunch? I'm like, yeah. So I meet up with him at lunch and I'm like, hey, you do graphic design and web websites and stuff. I said, will you build me this website? And I slid the paper to him. I said, I need you to build this for me. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. So I gave him 1500 bucks. He built the web page. I made little cards. Here's that DIY, Jesse. I made little business cards that said your life um, with the website link. And so now when I went to the merch table and I'm talking to people and they're telling me these stories, I say, here, go here, go here and talk about it. And then I would spend my days on the website responding to people who were talking there. And then more people would come and come and then they would, and now there's fast forward. It's, you know, I, I started this in 2011. It's 2023. We have thousands and thousands of people that are there. It's called heart support. Now it evolved. Um, and we do things on a, a, a larger scale, but that community is there and it's thriving. And, um, and the festival is, uh, is heart support fest. We just did our first music festival this past weekend. So I'm, Little horse, a little tired, so I apologize for that. But yeah, 
I know I can hear the hoarseness. I, I, it's like the in the back of my mind, like let's not keep him too long. But this is too good. Um, first of all, congratulations on all that. Second of all, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And again, that DIY ethos and the fact that you care as much as you do, I get that. And I actually feel a calling too to do more, which is kind of why Matt and I started this podcast because it's all about people connecting and you know you want to offer help to people, but sometimes the people that you've inspired to help can oftentimes do much more than you. So that whole thing you started, it's like wildfire. It spreads and it affects people on such a different level. Little did you know that day that it would become what it is. And I think that's the beauty of having your heart in the right place. And also the humility you have with your faith. I really enjoy that about people who, you know, are of, of a religious, um, mindset that are humble like that and open because there's a certain amount of um uh what's the word i'm looking for compassion that you get when you feel connected to something greater than yourself a love that's greater than yourself and giving that to other people being a flawed human showing that example of like that face-to-face communication where it all started at the merch table to what it is now that's just super inspiring and compelling and i i give you uh a lot of respect for that. It's a beautiful. How cool is that? I love I love the idea of it. And the fact that it happened the day you had the idea, homeboy was just there and you like it's beautiful. I love it. Great story. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um it's it's great. And I and I'm gonna say this, and I, I've said this so many times this past weekend because it's really important. I feel people understand, in my opinion, if you want to be successful, you you have to have a body of people, you know, like everybody, everyone can contribute to making something really beautiful and great. And we all need each other. I mean, you, you really see it a lot in the music industry, like, um, you know, being in a band, like I can't play drums. Like, are you kidding me? I can't be Matt Griner. <laughs> like, that's insane. Right. Um, and the fans, like, we had this festival and a fan came up to me and goes, goes, man, this festival is amazing. And I know like, you know, I, you don't even know who I am, but I feel like I'm a part of this. You know? And I said, you are a part of this. I said, look at this thing, man. Like this isn't a festival. It's a celebration. We're celebrating you. We're celebrating our community, our home. This is ours. And we're celebrating the fact that you're allowed to be human. And Sometimes we're goofy. Sometimes we're awkward. I know I am. Sometimes we're messy and sometimes we're broken. But in those times when we're broken, we can talk to people here and we can talk to people at heart support. And that's all it is. That's what it's there for, right? And I said, if you're not here, how are these band guys gonna gonna love you? Right? Because like I think I believe that we are created for two things. One is to give love. And one is to receive it. And we can't do either of those alone. Mm. Right. So those, those, these musicians, they are creating music with passion and love. Their lyrics are, are very personal and deeply rooted in their heart. And they are creating this for you. This is the way that they give you love. And the way that they receive it is by you supporting them, listening and uh, telling, sharing your stories singing along that that romantic like intimate dance at shows you know between the music and and 
and the crowd. Like, um, you're a huge part of this. And if you weren't, like, hard support would have no purpose. You know, these these bands would have no one to share their art and their their, you know, passion with, right? And so that's what's happening at hard support. It's not the Jake Lures show. It's it's the community. It's it's theirs. It's it's the music scene's home and place and like that's they make it great you know i just i just facilitated a place for them to have a place to do what they're doing and that kind of leads me real quick and 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 then i'll take a break because i know i'm talking a whole lot but there's just so much you're good bro (laughs) that i'm trying to unpackage for you and in the time that we have um so what i opened a gym during the pandemic and i'll touch on that in a minute um when whenever you want um but my whole life i have tried to put into words what my purpose is um why am i here what am i doing you know um and i think purpose is very important because then it gives us direction it gives us focus it gives us um life we're not just existing we're living and so purpose is very big for me personally and i'm always whenever i speak i'm speaking for myself um, but I was praying after I opened this gym during the pandemic, which <laughs> don't know how that happened, but it did. I'm very thankful. And I'm looking at the gym equipment and I'm touching it with my hands and I'm like, oh my gosh, my dream, it's real. I can touch it, you know, and I'm closing the gym down. I clean the bathrooms, I shut the lights off and I'm driving in my truck and I'm driving home and I'm just talking. And I'm going, can you tell me what this means? Can you can you please put into words what my purpose is? And the words, the the words that came to my mind was you are created to enrich the soil of community and their flourishment and their growth is your reward. And that's my purpose. Mm. And I and I love that. You know why I love that? Because it's personal to me. Because it doesn't involve being successful. It doesn't involve money. It doesn't involve fancy cars and big house. It's it's literally rooted in who I am as a person, my heart, and being a human being. And and I feel like that's truly my purpose is to just enrich the soil of community and watching people flourish and grow, that's my reward. And and so I look back after getting that. Um, thought in my mind the band you know it's all about community this music scene right and our music is what we have to offer them for them to grow and flourish Um, heart support you know building that community giving them a space to be themselves and be able to talk about their struggles um, is you know the soil and them growing and finding healing in their own unique path and way of doing that you know like that's what's so cool about the community. It's like, hey, I read this book. You know, doesn't I don't know what book it is, but this helped me. Here's a book. I read that. Somebody else could be like, hey, watch this podcast or listen to this podcast um, or check out this YouTube video or this therapy, this style of therapy was really good for me, you know? And so people can kind of just go on their own little journey in the community. And so I think that that's my, that's my purpose. And, um, and that's what I'm doing. And I, and I love it. And it, it fills me up, you know, and, and I enjoy seeing other people succeed and other people find 
themselves, you know? Love it. It's beautiful, man. Congratulations on all that. Um, I think for me, the, the thing that I want to tie into this, um, you know, cause I've seen, I've seen what you do on stage. I've seen what you guys and how you are and how you interact with fans. And that was really what got me. Wasn't just meeting you, but watching you guys perform and watching you interact with the audience and then watching you interact, you know, backstage, even though we are distanced, there was always an air of um, positivity surrounding your crew and your people. And I, I got that immediately. So when you reached out to me, asking me to uh to be part of your music that was huge i was super stoked on it and the story behind the song and the video and everything that went along with that that whole process to me was just it just solidified everything i love about you guys and you as a person um so it brings me to ask you the question um because the storyline on that video and what you told me about that song is really heavy can we rewind and go back into your relationship with your parents and and how that song affected you and how your relationship with your dad, which I believe that song is, is about where did that all come from? Cause we touched briefly about your relationship with your parents, but where is the disconnect there with, with your father and that relationship? If you don't mind getting into that, bringing it into that song and then that whole experience of us making that song together. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I guess I want to preface that. Um, You know, if you if you want to make an impact, you sometimes have to sacrifice comfortability. And um, growth for me um, is in the uncomfortable moments and seasons of my life. That's where I grow. And so I've had to learn a lot. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and this song was very uncomfortable for me because of the, the subject matter. And, but I felt that through me writing this song, it was going to bring a sense of healing for me and almost like, um, not closing the door on a chapter of my life, but, but finding some sort of resolution for me and peace. Um, and the other side of that was that I know people, I know that there's people that have experienced what I've experienced. So I would just want to preface with that. Um, when I was a kid, my parents got a divorce when I was very young and my dad wasn't around a lot. He was a workaholic and, um, you know, people love differently and, and I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. People love differently. And I think my father thought that the way he was loving his wife was to work hard and provide. And so she had a home, she had nice, you know, things, she had food, she had, you know, he took care of the kids, right. Financially. Um, and then he missed out on a lot of things because he was doing that because he believed that that was his way of loving his family. Um, so he would buy a lot of toys, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm 
getting away from this, but I was very materialistic in my younger years and I'd buy a bunch of flashy stuff and because it made me feel like I was being loved, right? Because that's what I learned when I was a kid. My dad wasn't necessarily there all the time. So he'd give me a toy to tell me that he loves me. So for me, I buy stuff to tell me I love me. Right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so makes sense. Yeah. So he wasn't there a lot. And the pressures and anxiety and stress of work just did not go well with my mother and feeling like she was alone. So they ended up getting a really, really messy, awful divorce. And my dad moves up to Virginia to live with his parents because both my parents went super broke um, during the divorce. Um, and, you know, they were both very broken inside and broken people, hurting people generally hurt people. Um, so there was a lot of toxicity and sorrow and pain growing up. And my father and I never really had a, a, a very deep connection. I think I was always trying to prove to him that I was worthy, you know, and my sister being older and kind of looking more like my dad. And she was a tough cookie, man. She was like tomboyish, tough guy. Don't mess with me. You know, um, he gravitated to her a lot and, you know, which was fine. I mean, but it, that pays a toll on on you as a kid, you know. So that's how, at least that's how I perceive it, right? Um, and again, I can only speak for myself. There's always different viewpoints and experiences and things like that. But you're asking me, so, um, so we never had a great great relationship, and it, I always felt very scared <clears throat> for the most time parts being around him. Um. Cause he was six foot five, big dude, you know, um, and could be scary. Um, but, and I know that he loved me, but I don't know that he, I think he was just so frustrated with himself and how his marriage had played out. And again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm young when the divorce is happening, you know? So I think he was just very angry and, I think he felt like he was a failure, um, even though he was like, to me, the the biggest superhero of, of all time. You know, I mean, he was an actor, NFL football player, he was huge, biggest guy in the room. You know, he was funny. He was, um, you know, he just when when he walked into a room, people, you know, would, would look at him. You know, and and he just had this this thing. Um, so I spent a lot of my life performing. I'm a, I was a very performance-based person. The problem with that is that you perform and then when you succeed, because you don't feel you're worthy, you don't recognize this, the success. And so you feel like you got to do more. And so it's just an endless cycle. You know, you get to the top of a mountain Somebody says, hey, congratulations, you made it. But because you don't feel like you deserve it, you don't feel it. You know, when we got nominated for two Grammys, the I was numb. 
I, I cried to God in, in, in sorrow and anger that I couldn't feel what it felt, what it was supposed to feel like to be nominated for a Grammy, you know? And that's when I realized I'm, I was going through this cycle of just performance-based life for years. And it was all because I wanted, you know, just to feel loved and appreciated, which I think stems from, you know, why I create all these communities and all of these things. Right, because I want people to feel love. I want them to feel appreciated as much as I did or do now, right? And so, my dad, you know, him and I just never, never felt like, you know, when you when you hang out with somebody and you have a great time and they're cool, but then you hang out with another person and you have like this experience and you're like, oh my gosh, dude, are we best friends? You know, like, I love you, man. I love you too. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're there and we'll always be there. I never had that with my dad. It was always like, Hey man, awesome. You know, you're great. You're great too. And then it's just like, go our separate ways. So fast forward, this is the hard part for me. Um, but I don't mind sharing it. Um, simply because I hope that it benefits someone else. That's Really, the only times I, when I get to these moments in my life where I, I get scared of sharing something so intimate and private and personal, I have to make a decision. And the decision is, are you gonna, are you gonna go this direction and not share um, because you want to protect yourself or you want to be comfortable? Or are you gonna go this direction where you're gonna share and it's gonna get a little messy for you and uncomfortable, but it might actually make some change in the world. Um, so I'm making that decision right now and I'm going to go this way. So my dad w got remarried to a woman and she was an angel in my opinion. Um, we could be in a simulation. She could possibly be a real angel. I have no idea, <laughs> but, um, they were married for several years and just, I think three years ago, uh, she filed for divorce, you know, and he was calling me a lot and for hours I would talk to him on the phone you know and I'm, I'm trying to help I'm trying to guide him and I'm listening and I'm you know talking about hey man like you're not mentally okay right now like I want you to get some help you know like you if you want to save your marriage you've got to be healthy um in order to make the right decisions right so this was months of this that that you know i was trying to help him and i think he went to the doctor and and i have no problems with medication uh you know if that's the route you need to take or you feel good about it or that's the good thing for you then do it right um but he went to the doctor because he was depressed and he got antidepressants and um he was taking them and he felt like they weren't really working you know, so he went back and, um, and this is my understanding of the story, you know, like I feel like there's a lot of things in my life that I haven't really fully got the truth from. And I've had to make a decision that letting those things go and not knowing the truth is okay. I don't need to know the truth about a lot of my history of my life and my parents, um, because that's not important for me to continue to be who I am. Um, and if I let some of that go, 
I can actually be more of who I am. You know? So, um, but I believe that he went and got more antidepressants and then he got uh, suicidal and um, he tried to commit suicide. Um, and I was in Finland with my, with my girlfriend, Yana, and my stepmother calls me and she says, your dad, he's alive. He's okay. But he tried to commit suicide. And, um, three days after that phone call, I had to go to go on tour in Australia with the band. I had to come home from Finland, have one night of rehearsal and go to Australia for a tour. And, um, and I just remember calling JB, you know, in tears and, and he's like, dude, do you want to cancel the tour? Like we can do that. And, uh, I said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to cancel this tour because this is your, this is your life. It's my, my band's life. It's their income, um, you know, the fans and all of that. So Yana, my girlfriend, who is, I think she is an angel, uh, texted JB and said, can I go on the tour with him? And he said, absolutely. So, so we went on the tour and Yana flew. She bought her own tickets. She flew because, you know, in Australia, man, like you're not on a bus. You're playing a show, flying next day, playing a show, flying that night or next morning. So she flew with me every day for the tour. And then she would get a hotel room for us. And I would just lay in bed, like just, and she would just cuddle me. And then um, we'd get time for set time. I would get a taxi to the venue. I would get on stage. I'd play show, and then I just go back and I go to bed. Uh, and this is really, really tough for me because, <laughs> am I back? Yeah, yeah. Just a little robot pause, but you're fine. Okay. Maybe just give it. A couple of seconds just for the Wi-Fi connection to catch up, yeah. But yeah, we we got all of that, but then it froze at the end of that sentence. Okay. Um. So, you know, this whole season of my life was really, really difficult because the man that I had spent my whole life trying to be proud of me, with you know, and 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 get his honor and his respect, um, you know, tried to tried to end his life um and there's so many complexities in that like it's very intricate and it's very confusing you know there's so many emotions that come out there's anger there's sadness obviously you know and there's love and there's just it's it's really really hard to even explain like what that looks like um and he's he's good now he's 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 healthy he's doing well for himself um but there's not really a lot of communication between him and i and i think that i'm not i think i'm in a good place but i just don't know how to encounter that that relationship at this point um so i thought the best thing for me was you know, if I can't do anything else to help him, I I need to, you know, not carry this with me um, because I felt like it was going to be part of my identity, you know, 
And, and I was like, okay, well, what can I do to free myself of this and not keep it a part of my identity and find healing? And so I did that through music, um, which I've done several times. And so I wrote the lyrics for Ancestry, and it's really about my love for my father, my anger towards my father, um, and just knowing that I don't need the truth and where this is, is where it is. And that's okay. I, I, I'm going to accept that. I have to accept the reality. Um, and I hope the best. And, 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 and that's really what the song is about. Um, and, and I think it's a great song. <laughs> I think, I think it's a beautiful, um, song. I feel like people, can connect to that and i know that jesse connected to it and you know the process that we we had through connecting over the story and the lyrics um, i'll never forget that phone call i was in my garage in my car talking to jesse on the phone and just kind of sharing some of the the things and um and he drove from new york and he made a beautiful chorus and yeah we have a great song called ancestry now were you playing it live together on the tour that you did? Did you jump up with him and do it? No, that was after. That was after. So we had toured together, and then this happened after the tour. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I got to tell you, man, um, powerful. And then when I saw the video, your performance to the actor in the bed, that that gave me chills. That was hardcore, man. It's really good. The song's great. Working with you is great. You know, the whole thing. and. Thank you for opening up about that. And I'm sure there are people who can relate to that. And the fact that he's still among the living and it's not quite resolved and you sort of found a way to be okay with that, that's strength. And to acknowledge that as well, that's strength. I, I commend you for that because that's difficult. When you're talking about your parents, you know, like that's difficult. I think everybody to a certain degree has issues with their parents. But um, yeah, that's that's a, that's a tough story, man. Yeah. And I just, I just feel bad, you know, for him that cause he, you know, he was a kid once a young man and he said desires and dreams and, and all these things and life got hard, you know, and, and I, I still love him and I, I feel sad for him, you know, um, and he's broken, but and this is why, again, I think that this is why heart support's important because, you know, life is hard and heavy and things happen. And, and it's just like, we, we have to, like, we need help. We, we, we need to understand that, like, sometimes, because the way we think about things, you know, sometimes we go to the darkest, you know, holes, you know, and that may not actually be the reality, you know, that we're living in and the circumstances that we're in. And, um, so yeah, I just uh but you know it's it it's a great song and, and we're we're performing it on this tour and and I'm singing your parts and I'm terrified every night. I'm like it's just no way. Uh but it's been fun, man. It's been fun. And you're you're so great. Like I you know, I've done tons of interviews and things for the record, you know, and they always want to talk about guests appearances and yours specifically and i just tell them like well first off you're a legend and you were a pioneer 
you know, and you, you are a pioneer for this, for this music scene in the direction that we've all gone. And so to have you on the record was just like, it was, it was bigger than being nominated for a Grammy for me. Oh. I felt more feeling in you being in that studio with me than, than being nominated for a Grammy. Um, Too kind. Because, <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you just, you walked in and we're sitting around having coffee, you know, and um, kind of just chit-chatting, like, how was the drive, you know? And then you go into the, the studio with us and, and we're all sitting there and you're like, all right, you know, this is what I wrote. Um, I think it sounds good. I don't know what you guys are going to think, but let's go ahead and just play the track and I'll, I'll sing it for you right now. You know, like, okay. And you sing the scores. And I just remember looking at Brent and Grant and we're all just like from, from ear to ear, just smiling because of how angelic and, and just amazing the the course that you had written and like we didn't make any changes we're like dude that's phenomenal so like <laughs> you went in the booth and you recorded it and it was perfect man so thank you for that really it, it was my pleasure man honestly um thank you it was an honor equally an honor um and you know now that we're talking about the studio to watch you work too with uh what's the producer's name that really really rad dude that worked with us what was his name grant mcfarland so Grant, Grant was awesome. Great producer. The the demeanor and the vibe of the whole session was one of the easiest sessions I've ever had. But to watch the two of you use your own language with what type of scream and what type of sound, it was so cool to be sort of a fly on the wall during that process. It, I left it sort of being almost envious of the way you guys worked because it was just like oh you know do this style of vocal you're like oh this style of vocal that style of vocal it was like boom 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 you guys just knocking it out of the park in front of me as i'm just relaxing watching it happen is one of the one of the better um experiences i've had recording a song ever i really look back on that little couple of days there in the middle of nowhere pennsylvania and i had such a good time i left that session driving home in my truck just like my heart was full so it's an honor and thank you for your kind words Absolutely, man. Yeah, thank you. It, it was it was a cool uh, moment. I, you know, maybe maybe you want to work with them down the road. He he is phenomenal, and um, I have to give it to Grant. He creates the environment that is like just real relaxed and goofy. And then when you got to be serious, he's good with that. But he 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 knows what I'm capable of, and he knows how to push me and when to. And then when to let go and let me kind of figure it out myself. Mm. And I really, really love that. And, you know, we've been recording with him for years. So we like to give my screams names so we know exactly like what we want. You know, like the, the screeching eagle is like a really, really high scream. Um, the emotional yell, you know, the the thrill seeker, which sounds like Josh McManus, the, the previous singer. Um, and it's just kind of fun. And, you know, that way when it's like hey man give it give it a thrill seeker real quick and let's see what that sounds like <laughs> yeah. we have we have a new scream that we did on this record that i that i created and we call it the baroness it's like real real open and like yes droney um uh so yeah it's a lot of fun man and i'm it was cool it was very cool there's a really uh lightness of spirit about you Jake that like just shines off the screen and we've never met and it's lovely to kind of get to know you in this context but 
I love you mentioning there that someone can have fun and be serious when required. And I love that you can chop and change so authentically between those two tones and it, you remain unmistakably yourself. Um, and there's just a wonderful generosity about you as well that, you know, is obviously evident in the, in the community that you built around you, but just in this conversation today, uh, you seem like a wonderful dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I will <laughs> gladly accept that compliment. That was very nice of you, bro. Thank you. <laughs> no, my pleasure, man. This has been really great. And, uh, you know, there's, I think I, I'm talking to a friend of mine at the moment. I'm helping him write a book. It's kind of like a men's well-being and mental health book about his struggles and, and just really learning. And I've, you know, been aware of it for some time doing this show as well, how much our childhood affects the adults that we become. And we almost spend our entire lives trying to like undo that narrative and it's ongoing um but i i just love that you know you embrace that even if challenge is the wrong word the work and embody it and you know you, you're committed to continuation of it yeah yeah thank you and you know i i appreciate that and i, I just feel like honestly man i just want people to be well you know and and I think that we're all just gifted with so much uniqueness. And, and I, for some reason, society keeps wanting to try to pigeonhole us and tell us who to be or what to look like or what, what you know, how to live our lives or how to speak. And, and I just think that we all have something really unique about us. And I, I would prefer to celebrate that. And sometimes our past kind of, pushes that down that uniqueness down um or or it tries to form us to be something else and i would just i just want people to live and not exist and you know and and i and i love i think that's one reason why i love music is because there's so much uniqueness in in artists they can do their own thing and show us who they are and uh and i think that people gravitate to that because they want to be who they are mm. One thing I want to touch on to what you said that really struck a chord with me is um, when you're going through something or when you're in a depressive state or if you're coming out of, you know, um, you know, you're hungover or you're coming out of a drug addiction, like when you're going through these dark spells in your life and the way that you see things is has a filter on it. You know, oftentimes, and I speak from experience here because I'm recently coming out of a dark patch. Um, I would say even within the past week, coming into the point where I can look back on it and think, oh, that was my depressive brain controlling me and making me think a certain way. Where to anyone out there listening, when you're when you're going through that time, it's not as bad as it feels. It's not as bad as your perception is making it be. And that is the trick with, with, you know, mental illness. That's the trick with addiction. That's the trick with, you know, evilness, darkness, whatever you want to say it is. When you're stuck in that moment, you can't see the light. And the thing that I like that you said is it's always different than you think it is. The light is there. The hope is there. There's people there. You know, if you just sort of reach out, if you just open your mouth and ask for help, if you just go to that forum like Heart Support and reach out and, and say, hey, I'm not okay, those little things that you can do for yourself will change your entire perception. And I can speak to that on such a genuine level where um, 
there's always hope. There's always somebody that will care for you. There's always someone who will understand your situation and oftentimes have been through something worse that can help you get perspective on your own situation. I think that's super important for people to know and for people to hear, including myself, it gets better and your vision of your situation will change over time. And when you come out of it on the other side, hopefully you use that to grow and, and put it into your arsenal of, of tools and weapons to prepare you for next time you sort of backslide or, or find yourself in a dark place. And I just, needed to bring that back up because it just really hit my heart and where I've been lately. So thank you for that wisdom. Yeah, man, absolutely. And and it's so true what you're saying. Like it's, and we're human. <laughs> we just, you know, like we're humans and we just need to, I think it. you're right. I think it's just very important for us to, to understand that there's always hope and that there's always people that you can reach out to and um, things that you can do, you know, in those moments. And I've, you know, creating this festival. I mean, I was on the phone with my team um, for an hour every day, basically, at least for the year and a half and, and getting up to the past six months, it's been very hard for me. And you know, I was hitting a place of just like, I mean, I turned 38 and I, I think I had a midlife crisis. I don't know what that really looks like, but I feel like I was so down and out and depressed. And this thing that I envision and st have been starting to do when I get depressed or when I get down, um, I call it biting down. And what that means is um, I had this vision of me having like surgery and just you know, you're just getting cut and you, and you feeling it all. Right. And then you just put a stick in your mouth and you just bite down. And so when I feel this, instead of reacting and running to booze or porn or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Um, I just, I just sit there and I just, I eat it. I bite down on that stick and I feel my feelings. I give myself, I respect myself enough to stop running to something else that you know is not going to cause, it's going to cause more crap in your life and it's not going to fix anything. But honor yourself, man. Feel your feelings, you know? I'm, and I'm speaking for myself to myself right now. Feel your feelings and bite down on that stick and then don't react, but respond, you know? Feel that, take it in, and then go, okay. What can I do with this right now? And I'm not saying that I'm successful every time. But I at least want to honor myself and try to give myself that opportunity to feel what I'm feeling and then think about it for a minute and stop myself from reacting to it and then try to make a more conscious, sober-minded, clear decision and um, for me, that looks like going to the gym. It looks like going to visit my horse, Taz. It looks like maybe playing video games with the boys. Maybe it's reading or praying or journaling my feelings. Um, or going for a drive. I love going for a drive where I live. It's back roads. It's beautiful. Um, you know, those types of things. Or getting on the phone with a friend and just being like, I got a vent, bro. I'm about to just rain all this anger and frustration or whatever. 
So, um, again, I don't, I'm not always successful, but that's really been helping me in the past like year and a half, two years. I love it. I think that's a perfect cap to all this, man. Honestly, um, great advice, great testimony. Um, thank you for being open. Thank you for sharing. And truly, thank you for everything you're doing for the community as a whole, you know, um, between heart support and, and the, the gym as well. It's great, man. You're really, you are doing what you're called to be doing. I can see that. It's very obvious to me. So I appreciate you and I honor you, man. Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. This has been amazing. Um, awesome conversation. And uh, yeah, it's super cool. I hope we get to cross paths again. I mean, we did just tour not that long ago, but maybe we'll see each other at some festivals or, or things like that, you know? Yeah, I'd love that. Festival season will be here before we know it. I just want to say as well as we finish that Jesse and I have this uncanny ability that actually probably has nothing to do with us to have the right conversations at exactly the right time. And, and what you've sort of shone light on for us individually and, and where we're at with, with this podcast and everything, it feels like a very timely, poignant, inspirational talk. So I want to say thank you from my end as well. Absolutely, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate you and your time. And this is cool. I, I've, you know, I've gotten to listen to uh, pieces of, of the podcast with, with certain people. And um, I was just talking to Melissa Cross and she's a huge fan of, of you all. And um, I just think I love, like before I came into the podcast today, I told my bandmates, I said, I, I need the back lounge, you know, I'm doing a podcast with Jesse Leach. And I said, and, and, you know, on their podcast, they go deep, you know? Um, and I love that because there's, you know, people that just do surface level conversation, which is great and it's fun and it's exciting and, and things, but I really love getting to a place where, we're going to peel back some of the layers and have a little more in-depth conversation that might potentially have a little more value for our listeners. And so I just, I think that that is a way that you guys honor your listeners by saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to just go a little bit deeper here and give you just a little bit more, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. It's awesome. Thank you, man. It's the stuff of life. I think, you know, that's the whole reason we do this. And you know it's funny the side the side um, effect of that is it's good for our mental health. Matt and I every time we do these, whether it be one on one or with a listener or with with someone like yourself, I always walk away and I'm like thankful for that. I thank God for that, and you know, um, it's it is important and for you to come on and share what you shared. And again, let's plug this to anyone listening. Heart Support, great organization. I love what you're doing with that. And, you know, this to me is my little contribution to have people come on and be able to speak their truth and, and tell their story. And I know it helps other people as well. So, uh, yeah, again, beautiful talk. I, my heart is full and I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate that. And I'll, and, I'll be uh, seeing you around. Rest, rest that voice, brother. And mm -hmm. I, I know, I know the, the deal. Get, get your hydration and your sleep on. And please send my regards to everybody in the camp well absolutely absolutely brother yeah we got 85 minutes uh a night on this tour so yeah yeah i'm gonna go take a nap <laughs> yeah do that thank you for for using your voice for this appreciate you absolutely brother cheers jake see you down the road man hope to meet you someday thank you sounds good
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.